Thanks, Dustin. So let's roll for a second with what Tori just said. And um, I want to teach you guys something really simple, really quick, called your 15-second testimony. Everyone say 15 seconds. 15 seconds. Come on. 15-second testimony. There's five parts to a 15-second testimony. Who in the room has encountered Jesus before? Just raise your hand if you have. Okay. So you have a testimony to share. And there's actually power and life, and God is just waiting for you to share that with the right person or the wrong person. And he's going to dump grace, power, love, conviction on that moment. And sometimes the person you share it with isn't going to receive that grace, power, love, and conviction. They're just going to be like, I'm not interested, and walk away. And other times, you're going to share that, and the person is going to be like, I've never heard that. Or, oh my gosh, something's stirring inside of me. This week I just mustered up my courage and went, to my, went across the street to my neighbor's house and shared my 15-second testimony with him. Halfway through it, he went, hey, I've heard this before. And I was like, what? <laughs> I, I, I'm a pastor. Maybe you heard it on YouTube. Or I mean, I, maybe, like, we went to high school together, so maybe he heard my story from someone we went to high school with or something like that. And I was like, oh, really? He's like, yeah, do you know Rick Davis? And I was like, no, I know a Tony Davis. And he was like, I'm not interested, man, thanks. <laughs> and just walked into his house. That was, that was what happened. When I, when I went and lived on mission, like Tori just exhorted us to, that will happen to us, okay? Fast forward to that afternoon, or like two hours later, I'm at the park with my kids and ironically, a different one of my neighbors who I've shared with and who has now received Jesus, and entered into my wife and I's house group. He's doing community with us. He's growing in the Lord with us. And my kids and my neighbor Jonathan and I are at Clippard uh, Park together down off Corrin Avenue. And we, I go over to the swing sets and because I'm about to push my three kids on the swing sets and there's a young guy sitting on a bench. And my first thought when I saw him was, I wonder if he's like a mechanic or something. And so for some reason, I just like said that to him. I was like, I mean, first of all, my mindset was I'm looking for people to minister to. Like my mindset was exactly what Lindsay talked about. I'm out here just doing life and hoping and begging and pleading God to move through me as I'm doing my normal life. Do you have that heart, church? Are you desperate? Are you dying? Are you begging God, please move through me during my normal life? I, I want to have that heart, and my aim, and Luke's aim, and my parents' aim, and Jordan's aim, and all the leaders of this church's aim is that every person who darkens the doors of this church will get that heart, that heart burned in them. Lord, please use me during my normal life. Please use me. Burn through me to love others, to release your joy, your love, and your peace. So that's on this church. And that means that if you're in this building, that's on you too. It doesn't matter your personality, your background, your likes and your dislikes. God really wants to and is really willing to use you to bridge the gap of sin, death, and destruction to joy, life, and eternal life in someone else's life. He wants to bridge that gap in someone else's life through you, just as you're going about life normally. Just normally. And so I uh, 
just, I'm like, I'm just gonna throw this thought I had out to this guy. I'm like, because I'm thinking, how do I engage with him? Like, how do I kind of break the ice? Sometimes I'll just like give someone a prophetic word. Sometimes I'll ask them if they want prayer. But all that's kind of like a quick startup, you know? It's like too quickly to the point sometimes, you know? And sometimes I don't have a lot of time, so I just go right to the point. Like, hey, here's what I feel like God said to you. Hey, do you want prayer? But I'm about to push my kids on the swings for the next 20 minutes. Like, I don't need to be in a rush. You know what I'm saying? So I just said to him, hey, are you a mechanic? And that felt a little risky and weird of me, for me, you know, like just to ask a stranger that question that quickly out of nowhere. Guess what? He didn't care. <laughs> he didn't like get up like, how dare you speak to me, stranger? How dare you speak to me? No. He was just like, no, nah, I'm not a mechanic. What are you talking about? <laughs> and then I was just like, oh, man, like your outfit. It just kind of looked like maybe that's, that's where you work. That's your work clothes, right? And he was like, yeah, yeah. He was like, I'm, a, a, I'm apprenticing as a like um, appliance technician or something like that. So this dude and I, we just had this, um, fast forward for the next 15 minutes, we had this amazing conversation. And we start talking about Jesus and we start talking about spirituality and we start talking about truth and um, God's, what is God like and everything. And it ends with us swapping numbers. And I'm, I'm praying and hoping that he's in the room right now because I invited him or that he's coming to the 1130 service or that I'm just gonna pray a bunch for him throughout my week and hope that something starts here and this guy who's far from God is gonna get rescued from what I believe to be death and destruction and hopelessness and brought into the kingdom of light and life and joy that I am a part of. And it was just like simple. A guy that's mentoring my dad, the guy that's mentoring a bunch of us at church named Mike Breen has taught us this evangelism concept. Simple to serious to spiritual. Everyone say simple, simple. to serious, serious, to spiritual. Serious. Hey, are you a mechanic? That is simple. Blah, 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 blah. We're talking and I asked him, dude, did you hear about the shootings um, the other day? And I don't even know many details about them. I just heard that there were some, but I was like, how do I get this serious? You know, like how do I take this off of the fluff layer? And he was like, no, man, but the world's crazy. Like, it doesn't surprise me at all, blah, blah, blah. So I went serious. And then I was just like, yeah, dude, without Jesus, I would just be, re I would be lost and so messed up. But like, I want to help people kind of figure stuff out without Jesus. And I didn't do it in like a weird preachy way, you know? I just, like, does anyone believe that about their own life? Yeah. Does anyone actually believe that? Like, my life would suck and be jacked up if I didn't have Jesus in it? <laughs> so I just... I just said what I already would believe and say, you know? It wasn't like some contrived next evangelism step. It was just, I'm gonna actually say what I really believe and live out and like is in my, my life. You know, I'm not gonna be like muzzled against sharing about Jesus because I'm scared that it's too evangelistic or I'm scared that what if people don't like it or whatever. I'm just like, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna come down here and worship. Like, you know, during worship, I just felt like doing this, swaying. And as I was doing that, I was like, this is so dumb looking. Like, why am I kind of swaying in worship? And then I was like, oh yeah, my body is just responding to the king of the universe. I'm down with that, I'll sway, you know? So that's, that's just the type of like 
life I wanna live? Like, what's actually natural now that I'm a new creation? What's actually just keeping it 100 now that I love Jesus and know Jesus? And I don't care if it feels contrived to this person or religious to that person. All I can do is just be me, you know? And not like a postmodernistic truth is relative type of way, but in a like, what does this book say about me? And then all I can do is live that out. So 15 second testimony, okay? It has five parts. The first part is, can I tell you a story? That's the first thing. Or no, 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 it's not that. It's, there was a time, I, as I said the first part, I was like, God, please help me remember the first part. Because <laughs> I can't remember the first part. It's not, can I tell you a story? It's, there was a time in my life. Everyone say there was a time, everyone put one finger up and say there was a time in my life. <laughs> okay, keep that finger up. Now there's five parts. So we're gonna use each of our five fingers, okay? There was a time in my life. Then the second part, you describe what, with a couple adjectives or a very, very short story, what life was like for you before you met Jesus. So it can be simple and, and not deep. It can just be like, there was a time in my life when I was pretty hopeless and discouraged. I didn't really have any vision for life. That's what my life was like when I was a freshman in college, okay? That's my like casual, I'm not going deep, um, description of what life was like before Jesus. If I wanna go deep, I'll be like, there was a time in my life when my girlfriend got pregnant and she had an abortion. And that's me going like, I'm gonna go there. Like, I'm gonna just be really real and vulnerable with this person. So there was a time in my life and then you describe what your life was like before Jesus. So everyone, just take a second, try and think of a couple adjectives of what your life was like before you met Jesus. Bad unhappy, addicted, discouraged, whatever, okay? Now take another couple seconds and think of it because some of you are like, the pressure's on, I can't think. Okay, now everyone just say out loud, we're gonna go one, two, three, and then we're all gonna say out loud, there was a time in my life when, and then say, your, say blah, 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 blah. Whatever you would say that hard thing was like in your life before Jesus, okay? Ready, set, go. There was a time in my life when I was discouraged and keep going. You got it. Just say it out loud. If you don't do it now, you'll never do it. Why will you do it outside of the church if you won't do it right now practicing? <laughs> That'll work, it's okay. As long as it's discouraging, okay? That's the key thing, all right? The second finger, there was a time in my life, then the second finger is basically share what was discouraging, okay? Now, third finger, I'm gonna put your third finger up. There's a time in my life, discouraging content. And then third finger, third finger is a description of what it was like when you met Jesus. So like the, the low key version for me is then God spoke to me and I, I just, it was like I had never heard God's voice before, but he spoke to me, okay? The more deep version for me is I was at a missions training school and I was feeling like so just depressed and um, inadequate and like God could never use me. But then I received God's forgiveness for participating in that abortion. That's like the deeper version of the, uh, 
15 second testimony for me, okay? So everyone just think for a second what it was like when God encountered you, when he became real to you. What was that experience like? Was it at youth camp? Was it here at this church that you feel like you came alive? Were you a Muslim and you came here and you took Alpha and a group of guys came around you and you came to know Jesus? Okay, we're not going to practice this one. I, th I think I'm going to take her advice. Practicing is not hitting it right now. Now, fourth finger, put your pinky up. The fourth part of your 15-second testimony is what your life is like now. There was a time in my life when I was discouraged and directionless and hopeless, and then God spoke to me. Like, he really spoke to me. I couldn't believe it. He was actually speaking to me. And now I'm full of vision and purpose, and I wake up every morning feeling like there's hope. It takes me sometimes like an hour to get to that place in the morning, but some point in the day I get to the place of there is hope, there is joy, there's good stuff in the there's good stuff to happen in my life. Sorry, pinky. Okay? Does that make sense? There's a time in my life, discouraging content, how I met Jesus, what life is like now. Okay? So how would you describe how your life is better now that Jesus is in it? That's the fourth part of the 15-second testimony. The fourth part of your 15-second testimony is a description of what your life is like now that you know Jesus. This is encouraging content, okay? <laughs> Not religious, encouraging. And then fifth part is a question. Do you have a story like that? Do you have a story like that? So there's a time in my life, discouraging content, how I encountered Jesus, encouraging content, do you have a story like that? And you just toss that out there. You can go up to, yeah, so there's a tool, okay? Let's read some Matthew. If you have your Bible, turn with me to Matthew 9. This is sweet. I get to give a shorter message today. I mean, some of that, I guess, was the message. You just got to try it, though, okay? The 15-second testimony thing. What you can really do to, to warm yourself up is share it with some Christians. Like, maybe your next step today isn't to go asking your waitress if you can pray for her. Maybe your next step after today is to practice what I just taught with someone else in this room before you leave. Or to call your saved friend or whoever and say, hey, I wanna practice this new tool I learned called 15 second testimony and share it with them. So like everyone's next step isn't necessarily to go talk to some stranger about Jesus, but that is where we all want to get to, right? Like, we all want to land in the place of being heralds and evangelists and gospel proclaimers. So, Father, will you just show everyone in the room their next step? Just say this, church. Say, Jesus, I want to know my next step. You're amazing. I love talking about you. Will you partner with me, Holy Spirit? I need your partnership. I need your comfort. I need your help. 
So Lord, I just thank you um, for the fact that you're putting grace on people right now for this. You're putting grace on people to have joy and boldness and reframe their mindset around what it looks like to talk about you. I just, right now, just cancel the word evangelism in the room. Just, I just, we're, that's not what we're talking about. We're thinking about talking about Jesus. Give us eyes to see when we should be talking about him when we normally wouldn't. In Jesus' name, amen. As Jesus went on from there, two blind men followed him, calling out, Have mercy on us, son of David. When he had gone indoors, the blind men came to him, and he asked them, Do you believe that I am able to do this? Notice that Jesus doesn't say, Do you believe that I'm about to do this? He doesn't say, Do you believe that I am going to do this? He says, do you believe that I am able to do this? Yes, Lord, they replied. Then he touched their eyes and said, according to your faith, let it be done to you. So is faith believing that God will do something or believing that he can do something? In this context, faith was believing that he was able to do something, okay? It's important we see that and their sight was restored. Jesus warned them sternly, see that no one knows about this. But they went out and spread the news about him all over that region. While they were going out, a man who was demon-possessed and could not talk was brought to Jesus. And when the demon was driven out, the man who had been mute spoke. The crowd was amazed and said, nothing like this has ever been seen in Israel. But the Pharisees said, it is by the prince of demons that he drives out demons. It is by the prince of demons that he drives out demons. Talk about deception. Like, could you possibly be more deceived than that? What they're saying is, we think that Jesus has had a seance, has gone to a graveyard, has sacrificed a child, has cut himself, done some ritualistic act to invoke evil spirits to give him power. That's what they are saying they believe about Jesus. That he did something like that, and that is how he was able to have more power than the demons that were inside of the guy that he took the demons out of. So notice that their unbelief has nothing to do with the supernatural. They believe in the supernatural. They're not saying, I think that he had Tourette's and he had a fit and blah, 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 like, which, I mean, that's a thing too. I'm not saying every sickness is a demon. Don't hear what I'm not saying. But they weren't stumbling over the power. They were stumbling over the source. Their problem wasn't, is this true power? They saw that it was true power. Their problem was they mistook the source. And one of the things I just ask myself about this is, how do you get there? How do you have this much of the Bible memorized? This much, like this is the skinny side, okay? This is the thick side. 
Those guys have all of this memorized. They have this memorized. They can talk about it, but they mistake Jesus for having power from the serpent, from Satan. How do you get there? That's a really good question for us to ask because who in the room would say you pride yourself in knowing scripture? I love the word. I want to get deep in there. I want to know it. I want to read every commentary. I mean, you know, all of it. Give me all the word. But what if I don't recognize the source? What if I'm actually capable of missing the source? That's a sobering thought we all need to actually know, that we're capable of missing the source. We are capable of missing the source. And there's a theme that's going on here that I think just my short little message for us is that what keeps us from falling into that place of the Pharisees, of recognizing power and even knowing the word of God, but not knowing the source of the word of God, not knowing God himself, one of the things that will protect all of us from getting there is desperate faith. Desperate faith. Desperate faith. Desperate faith. Desperate faith. Are you desperate for more of Jesus? Do you, are you in touch with how deeply you need Jesus? Are you in touch with that? Do you, can, Wilson, do you quote, man shall not live by bread alone? Or do you actually feel that right now, Wilson? That's what I'm talking about. Like, do I feel that? Do I, am I in touch with that? That man shall not live by bread alone? Or can I just quote it? In 2 Corinthians 4, 4, here's what the apostle Paul says. The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Verse six, for God said, for God who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. Human's natural state is to not be in touch with our desperation. Humanity's natural state is to be blinded by the God of this age. We have been made new, we're new creations, we're adopted. But the God of this age is still active. He's still working. And he has the ability to temporarily blind and cause Christians to fall asleep to our desperate need for Jesus. He can do that. And we need to combat it. We need to um, worship with, yeah. So in, we're going through Matthew and we're in Matthew chapter nine right now and just kind of follow this breakdown of Matthew nine with, or of Matthew. Matthew five, six, and seven is the Sermon on the Mount. So that's the teachings of Jesus, okay? Matthew 5, 6, and 7 are all teaching. Now we've jumped 
we've, we've passed the Sermon on the Mount, and now we're, we've been in chapters 8 and 9 um, for like, you know, several months or whatever. And what I want to say chapters 8 and 9 are all about is Jesus demonstrating the kingdom of God. Chapter 5, 6, and 7 is Jesus teaching about the kingdom of God. Chapter 8 and 9 are all about the demonstrating of the goodness of the kingdom of God. Chapter 10 is all about sending people to demonstrate the goodness of the kingdom of God. But the theme I notice in chapter 8 and 9 is desperation. That's what I see. Just look at this. Chapter 8, verse 2. A leper comes and kneels before Jesus. Chapter, or chapter 8, verse 5. A, a political elite um, military soldier comes to a peasant preacher of a nonsense religion about one God and asks for his help. That's desperation. In 8.16, it says, many sick people were brought to him. Do you know that they didn't have cars? They didn't have scooters. They didn't have good shoes. They didn't have airplanes. Like, traveling was a really big deal then. Much bigger deal than it is today. And they brought sick demonized, jacked up people from all over to this Jesus guy. That's desperation. On the boat, the disciples wake Jesus up. Who here has ever woken your spouse up before? I mean, that's a scary moment, right? Like you're not trying to wake your sleeping spouse up. Whose spouse has ever been pregnant before and you've woken them up? You're brave. You're so brave. Like, that's a, or, or, or they have little tiny kids and you wake them up like, that's crazy. That's a crazy move right there, okay? I'm just going to say that it's even crazier to wake up the God of the universe when he's taking a nap. Jesus. Jesus is taking a nap and they wake him up, okay? Like, that's pretty desperate. They're in a desperate place. In chapter 9, verse 12, Jesus says, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. So he's saying, I didn't come for the healthy. I came for the sick. I came for the desperate. Verse 18, a synagogue leader risks his career and reputation by coming and asking this dissenting, crazy, potentially demon-possessed rabbi named Jesus for help. That's desperation. Chapter Verse 21, Luke talked about this last week. A woman breaks all cultural and religious norms and is willing to ritually defile Jesus because she's so desperate for his help. She comes and touches him as she's bleeding. And then verse 27 and uh, 32, what we just read, blind men follow and shout. And it doesn't say they had any assistance. It doesn't say that their buddies or their parents picked up all their belongings and followed behind them, making sure they didn't trip over donkey poop. Like, no, they just went. They just went for it. Do you realize, like, they're blind. All their possessions are probably right there. That's all their stuff that they own, period. They can't see. This is like a busy, crazy, unsafe place. Like, there's not, like, a code where you can't have a sidewalk up. Like, everything is messed up. And they're like, son of David, have mercy on us. You know, like... They just go for it. That's desperation. That's desperation. And look what was on the other side of their desperation. 
a demonstration of the goodness of the kingdom of God. Will you guys stand up and let me pray for you? God, I just thank you um, that you are moving in people's hearts right now. I mean, just as a sidebar prayer, Lord, just like I'm floored that you want to partner with me. I just said, Jesus, thank you so much for partnering with me, Wilson. But this is all about you, Jesus. So Holy Spirit, will you wake up what you're waking up in people's hearts right now? Do what only you can do, Jesus, and wake up hearts. Stir, Lord. Stir, Jesus. We ask you to stir us in our bellies. Stir us in our gut, God. Stir us in our chest and our mind, Lord. Stir us up. Let us be in touch with how desperate for you we really actually are. We're so frail, God. We're so weak and needy in reality. It is only through you and the work you have done in us that we are strong. I can't believe you've given us immortality and that you have birthed the kingdom inside of us. Let us not depend on our flesh and our strength and our wit and our wisdom. Let us get in touch with the fact that there's eternal life inside of me that wants to burst out and bless and love my kids this afternoon. That the same power that we lead someone to the Lord with, we're patient with our three-year-old. That the same power that rose Jesus from the dead, we don't make a snappy comeback comment at our spouse when we feel like they hurt us. Lord, let your power flow through us in every single dimension of life. But let your hand for evangelism and signs and wonders rest on this room. Kick us out of our comfort zone, Lord. Use us. We're begging you and pleading with you. Please use us. In Jesus' name, amen.